Oh, yes, it's time to talk Monday Night Raw that aired last night on November 29th, 2021. And we're going to cover everything top to bottom from the Edge and Miz promo that had no business being as good as it was. Kevin Owens sneaking into the main event of the day one pay-per-view and much, much more, including, yeah, a rant or two. Let's get it all started right after this. Are you looking for a new podcast to listen to? Maybe one that's inspiring, relatable, and just plain fun to listen to, then check out Curated Advice on Better Living. That's Curated Advice on Better Living. So what exactly is this podcast about? Well, it's hosted by millennial Khaled Sultan and his quest to discover different cultures, perspectives, and philosophies. There's nothing scripted in this show. No conversation is the same. The only recurring question they have is, what's your advice on how to live a better life. I think we can all find a way to live a better life. And this podcast, with listening just just a couple of episodes, I can tell you with confidence that you'll be able to relate to some of these topics. And the latest episode that has been published is all about a toxic relationship that his guest was in just prior to the pandemic. And the relationship he was in ended, his 10-year relationship ended just prior to the pandemic beginning. And you hear his struggle, his, his, his journey to healing. And it's so well done, very high quality audio, so you don't have to worry about that. And you can find this podcast. It's called Curated Advice on Better Living. It's available really everywhere, right? Podcast or, uh, Apple Podcasts, you have Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Spotify, Stitcher, and much more, including Anchor. So you're not going to want to miss this. Each episode is a different guest. And the latest episode, their fourth episode, they talk to a coworker from the radio on his career in radio. So you're not going to want to miss that. You can check out Curated Advice on Better Living and help yourself live a better life today. This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and you're listening to the WWE Podcast. The one that everybody wants, me. Well, it is that time once again, and here we are, the end of November, the very last day of November, Tuesday, as I record this, about 10 o'clock in the evening, Eastern Standard Time, but uh, wherever you are, hopefully it's, it's an enjoyable day or morning or evening. But first, I want to give a quick shout out to our latest patron of the show, Donald Bates. Donald Bates, thank you so much for joining us on the WWE Podcast. Not only do you get this shout out, obviously, you get everything ad free, you get a link to the Discord server, and you get to come on the show once a month if you prefer. Not not a requirement, obviously, but uh, thank you, Donald, for your support. And we're about to talk Monday Night Raw, and tomorrow we flip the calendar to December, believe it or not. Tomorrow, or as you rec- as you listen to this, it is probably already December, and it's already 2022. I mean, a month away till 2022. It feels like we just changed to 2021, but uh, here we are, and we're at the end of the year, which means we're about to gear up for WrestleMania season. I mean, we are right there, and I'm actually not sad we're not having a December pay-per-view. I've never been a fan of the, the, the gimmicked pay-per-views like TLC. I think it's become more of just a a prop type of 
pay-per-view where there's like a chairs match and a tables match and, and then there's a TLC where everything's there. It's just it's overkill. And I don't you know, I, I don't need a pay-per-view just to have a pay-per-view. So I'm not sad that a day one pay-per-view is going to be on January 1st. It gives us something to all look forward to. We all most of us anyway have that day off. It does fall on a Saturday, so we're going to see how that goes. But, uh, uh, you know, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. And this is a, a pay-per-view shaping up to be pretty good. You know, we have a, a triple threat that I told y'all was coming. I, I mean, I, I hate to say it. No, I don't. I told y'all. <laughs> As many of you also predicted, it wasn't just me, that the triple threat was going to be on the table, if not a fatal four-way. But with Finn Balor losing match after match after match after match after match after match, I would think that he does not have a, a stake to claim for this WWE championship matchup, which is really just sad because I think that he has a lot to offer in terms of in-ring, on the mic, and having a hell of a title run in him as a whole. I think he does. I think from, he is a polished performer. There is really no part of Finn Balor's character or his him as an entertainer that we don't, that we feel, at least I do, that there's something missing. Finn Balor is the total package, and I just think that his size is still getting to him, or at least getting to Vince McMahon. And speaking of Vince McMahon, can we just somehow start a petition? Start a petition, maybe on change.org, of, like, can we not put Vince on TV unless there's a big storyline? And, you know, perhaps I'll eat my words and this Austin Theory thing is leading to something bigger than I know. I was hoping it was leading to The Rock, and if some roundabout crazy way it still does then uh, okay but having Vince on Raw or on TV at all should feel like there's a big purpose a real storyline something massive going on and it doesn't seem like there is. it seems like he's just being a bully uh, he, he's there to be the alpha male and say expect the unexpected and essentially emasculate his talent one in Austin Theory a guy that should stand up for himself. I mean, I know that he's a heel, but <clears throat> I don't know why Vince has suddenly taken a liking to him out of nowhere. So perhaps, you know, next week, the week after Vince will get bored of Austin theory and move on to his next shiny new toy. Vince has been known to do that throughout the years and it's getting worse with age. So I don't understand why he's here. I was hoping after the, the, the failed egg, storyline that was clearly hopefully not supposed to end with Austin theory. I, I would hope that wasn't the end result for Vince coming back to TV. Now it's continuing. We were hoping I was hoping it was done. And here we are with Vince now sitting with Austin theories. Austin theory is getting schooled by Vince McMahon emasculated by Vince McMahon, not given any lines to say in that segment other than just kind of elementary responses of, uh-huh, mm-hmm, uh-huh. Like, just being apparently he's just there to be a sentient human being while Vince McMahon spews his alpha male garbage. Um, and I, I just, I'm not understanding the whole Vince McMahon return. Expect the unexpected pal. Uh, uh okay, cool. Uh, now what can, can I actually do what you're paying me a bunch of money to do and go out and perform? Or are you going to keep me in your office the rest of the evening spewing a bunch of uh, hyperbole, like, uh, you know, a, a bunch of like just complete nonsense. A am I going to sit here and just 
listen to you ramble. And that's what Vince sounds like when he speaks. I mean, I'm sorry. Vince McMahon, I, I can't even understand what he's saying. Like His enunciation of words has decreased significantly over the last like five years. I, I can't even understand what he's saying. He's expect the unexpected. That's what it sounds like to me. I, I get a, a, a pal every now and then. I, I, I get like, you know, the gist of what he's saying. But there's like 60% of his words that I'm like, wait, what can you can you speak clearly? Open your mouth a little wider? I don't know. Is there is there anything else? Anybody else have an issue with this? I don't know. But I, I recently got a review on Apple Podcasts of stop complaining. Hey, uh, nope. <laughs> I'm not. I, I'm not. Uh, if there's something like this that is not right and is you have the chairman of the company coming on TV embarrassing himself, I'm calling it out. We've got no state-run radio ties to WWE. We're, we're not affiliated with them. That's what makes it great. We can sit here and talk about Vince McMahon until we're blue in the face and we don't have to worry about repercussions. That's what's great. That's what's great about this entire podcast and the platform that we have. And I pride myself and the entire team on being able to speak our minds and we're never inauthentic. That's what I love about this. And um, right now, Vince McMahon is embarrassing himself. For what? I mean, if at least he was coming on to embarrass himself for a massive return, a huge storyline beginning, fine. If the ends justify the means, whatever. I'll just grin and bear it. But if we're going to get a half-sentient Vince McMahon mumbling his words, coming on to fulfill his own ego, acting like the alpha male in every segment while his talent just cower to the almighty Vince then count me out of this. I, I mean, I, I do get excited to see Vince out of just kind of reflex, if, especially if he's not on TV for a while. You get excited, like, oh, a big storyline's about to start. And we get an egg and him telling Austin Theory to expect the unexpected. And then he slaps him. That's it. That's what Vince McMahon's master plan has been thus far. Again, I understand I could be totally wrong, and this is somehow a genius maneuver to... I, I don't know, for some massive return or whatever. And if it is, fine. But so far, this is like a, an F. This isn't even like a D. This, this is a failing grade. So I want to get the Vince McMahon thoughts right off the bat here. Uh, transitioning to something I really enjoyed to make sure that I appease those that feel like I'm complaining all the time. I really love the Miz's return. I never thought that I'd say those words, and I know people out there think that I'm going to be ripping on The Miz. No, I'm not. I'm not going to be ripping on The Miz. In fact, I think this is one of the most relevant segments that The Miz has been in in years. Years. And this this whole interaction with Edge, as Edge comes back to a great pop, and it's, I God, I love Edge. Probably the best promo on the roster right now, at least on Raw. And... Uh, I got to say, Edge and and Miz killed it. And I I did not think I'd say that. When we had the Miz come out after Edge listed all the people that he could work with in the future, as this is kind of like a fresh new roster for him, and the Miz comes out, it's like, it kind of like brings the show down, doesn't it? 
you hear you hear awesome and you're like and if everyone he just listed or maybe somebody bigger that he didn't list the miz and you're thinking and i was but then i see maurice with him and i see no john morrison and i'm like okay this is at least back to the roots of the miz we're not getting the sophomoric banter of him and john morrison again and again I'm not saying John Morrison's a bad talent. I actually think he could have been a hell of a hand and even contended for a world championship if they did it right. The problem I had was him and Miz together are just the worst. And and their their dripstick garbage, all of their just high school shenanigans, that's the part I didn't like. I'm not saying the talent individually, but when when Morrison's not with the Miz, the Miz is infinitely more tolerable. So he comes out with Maurice and Maurice looks like she's in good shape. And uh, she seems to be, I guess, back on as an active woman on the roster. I think that's essentially the announcement that the Miz made and boy, uh, they let it go here. And I think that this was a response to the punk MJF segment that opened dynamite last week. If if I'm looking at this correctly, because they they did mention, Edge mentioned that Miz is talked about on other shows. That's as close as he's going to get to saying AEW, of course. And that, to me, was a response directly. And the style of promo, the format of the promo, was similar in nature to what Punk and MJF did. Which, again, guys, for the love of God... If you have not watched, I don't care if you don't like AEW. I don't care. This this is, that's a non-factor. If you like wrestling, you're a wrestling fan, and you don't watch MJF and CM Punk, what are you doing? MJF and CM Punk, just go watch it. It's about 15, 16 minutes. That is one of the best segments I've ever seen promo-wise. It's in my top five. In my entire career, I say, of watching wrestling, if that's a thing. My God, absolutely a clinic. I'd give it a 10 out of 10. It was amazing. It's in, It was engaging, emotionally investing, real. A crowd was on every word. I think MJF won that battle. I don't think Punk was as good as he could have been or many probably expected him to be in that promo, but he had some good zingers and the Miz was mentioned as one of those big zingers that MJF is just a less famous Miz. And so it was kind of like a, it was a mic drop moment. Um, But anyway, back to WWE. I believe that this was a direct response to that where they looked at the success of that and they said, Hmm, can we do that here? Who are some great talkers? We know the Miz is good and edge is coming back. Hell, let's put them together. And it worked. I'm not saying because they essentially used this as an answer or kind of hijacked it. I don't care. It worked. Whatever the reason, this segment worked really well. And by the end of it, I wanted to see them fight. At the beginning of this, when I heard awesome, I said, oh, man, what a what a drag. Because I've been conditioned for so many months now with Morrison and Miz. When I hear that music, I want to, you know, change the channel or a pen in my eye, you know, so hearing this after or or seeing what they did and transitioning me from go away, Miz, to damn, okay, I'm on board. Let's do this. 
was pretty amazing. And yes, Edge was brilliant on the mic, as he always is. Edge is, uh, man, he he could he could open a, a school, a wrestling school, just teaching promos, not even doing in ring, just just doing promos. That's how good he is. And it was great to see him back, and it was you know really fun to see these two interact, and they seemed to get real for a while. I mean, it was it was scalding and just real. So you know what? Something different here. I want to actually share a little bit of this with you. And I got to be careful because of the you know copyright infringement and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not going to play a whole long clip, but I'll play as as long as I can here, and then you know I'll, I'll come back. But uh, th- this is this is just great stuff by Edge. So uh, let, let's take a listen together. I sincerely mean everything that is about to fall out of my face. You made it here, standing across the ring from me, staring me in the eyes from tough enough. You wrote notes on your hands and went all the way to the main event of WrestleMania against John Cena with The Rock as special enforcer, and you beat him. Yeah, you did that, and yeah, I did jerk the curtain that night. I did that. You have people on other shows saying your name just just to get a cheap reaction. You live rent-free in a lot of heads. You built yourself an empire. You got a mansion in the Hollywood Hills. You got a beautiful family. You made it further. You made it higher than anyone ever thought you would or could. Except for you. You thought it. You believed it. You made it happen. Uh, I got to pause there. I'd love to keep going here, but you know what? What's great about this promo, and what's great about what Edge does that you don't see happen in a lot of promos, almost any promos. Well, number one, this doesn't feel scripted. This is right out of Edge's head. There is such a difference between when it's written on paper for somebody and when they feel it. I mean, this is an example of feeling it. Uh, the rest of the promos on Raw, <laughs> that's an example of written. Even if it's memorized well, it as human beings, we just have that sixth sense. But what's great about Edge is even when he's putting somebody down, he's actually lifting them up. Even as a heel, Miz as a heel, he's talking about the accolades of Miz and the things that he, over, he overcame, but then goes back to, you know, you demand respect, I earn it, and all that kind of stuff. And it, you know, he, he'll come back to slam down Miz, but he also, again, elevates the Miz and reminds people what he did. That's the brilliance of this is, yes, he has some zingers and some oh moments and all that, but he also elevates the Miz. That is the sign of an ultra-talented promo. That, my friends, is something you do not see everything. Most promos that are written for stars are designed to take down their opponent in a verbal way and elevate that individual person without the care to really worry about how, how badly you're tearing that person down to a point where the fans actually feel like they're being de-escalated, you know, and it's all about just that individual. In this case, edge takes the time to help elevate the Miz while reminding people what he's accomplished and where he came from but also in kind of a backhanded way. It's brilliant. So, uh, you know, again, you heard Edge right there talk about him being mentioned on other shows to get 
a cheap reaction. Well, Edge, I got to disagree with you there. Uh, Miz has been compared to MJF for a long time, and MJF has been attacking Miz for a long time. That's not a cheap reaction. Uh, that's that's smart on CM Punk's part to mention a less famous Miz. So Edge can try to devalue what CM Punk did on AEW. Uh, no, I, I think I got to disagree with Edge there, but he's he's towing the company line. I mean, he's not going to mention AEW. Certainly not going to mention the name CM Punk. We all know what he's referring to. You heard the crowd reaction to that. But I got to disagree with Edge and or management on that. That, oh, you just, just said that for a cheap reaction. Nope. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Uh, it, it worked. It was relevant. And it had substance. It wasn't just a, a name he pulled out. So, oh, my God, he said a WWE name. Oh, no. It, it all made sense. It wasn't as superficial as you're making it out to be. It had context. So, again, I know he's a company guy. I understand that. He's going to do what the company wants him to do. But this is great. This is really good. So I don't want to spend too much more time on it, praising it. But uh, I'm going to balance out the show, guys. This was this was great. One of the highlights of Monday Night Raw, um, if, not one of the, if not the highlight of Monday Night Raw, was this. So let me know what you guys think about this segment. Are you excited now to suddenly see Miz versus Edge? Did anybody feel that Miz was on Edge's radar? No, I didn't, but now I want to see it. And yes, the Miz is going to lose probably at day one leading to an actual match between edge and whoever, whomever at rumble, or if edge inserts himself into the Royal rumble, who knows? But this was, uh, again, just a nice pit stop for edge because this is not going to be a long-term program. I, I don't think, but, um, edge mentioning tough enough, all that, just, just great stuff just great, great, great stuff. So, Okay, well, uh, let's move on here. I want to, what do I dare get to next? Do I dare get to another women's championship match next week, a U.S. title match on Raw, the tag team title match that happened on Raw? There is just no shame anymore, is there? There's no shame for WWE. The sanctity of having championship matches and how they should feel special, which usually are reserved for pay-per-view events, it is now not just buried and dead, but they resurrected it and then executed it again. I mean, now some some people don't have a problem with this. They want to throw out a million championship matches. I uh, get it. You now that's cool. It's fun to watch. How can it be fun to watch when you see it every week and every championship is on the line every week? I mean, honestly, why don't we just turn every championship into 24-7 rules? I mean, that's where we're at at this point. It's crazy. It's getting... It's getting hilariously infuriating now before it was annoying. And I was worried about the value of the championship and what the, a championship match used to mean. Now they're just, it's, it's like Oprah, you get a championship match and you get a championship match and you get a championship match. What they're doing is clearly obvious. They're trying to boost ratings, boost interest. I understand why they do it, but they're not looking at this long term. They don't care about the long term damage. They're so, sh they're so short sighted on this. It's it's so easy and plain to see, and they don't realize what's in front of their face, or at least not down the line anyway. They see right in front of them. I should say they have they have good you know near sight, but beyond that, they can't look ten feet past their their own way here. And it's um, it's it's infuriating as a fan because championships feel like they mean less when this when you give championship matches away so often. And let's just jump into the tag team title match. How did Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode earn a uh, tag team title match exactly? They lost last week clean. So how exactly did they 
earn one. Maybe I'm maybe I'm totally mistaken, and somewhere along the line they did earn one. I don't recall it, so I'm going to go on that assumption that they didn't necessarily explicitly earn a championship match. They're just, I guess, by existing in a tag team division that's paper thin, if you just exist as a tag team, you automatically get a championship match. I think that's the qualification that we're talking about here. So, I mean, it's not that I dislike Rude or Ziggler as a team or the fact that there is a tag team championship match. Um, you know, that the, that is even, isn't even the worst part of it. It's that they're now just giving away championship matches without telling us how that individual or team earned that opportunity. That That's the whole premise of having a championship is that only the best of the best get an opportunity. So, uh, yeah, Ziggler and Rude somehow, some way earned this, even after losing last week. Uh, yeah, w- w- whatever. So we got, of course, Riddle and Orton, who are on, on a roll right now, and I'm still enjoying them together. I still do. And having Riddle put the wig on Randy and Randy getting annoyed with Ziggler, it's fine. You know, some people say, oh, it's elementary. Well, it's, but it's in a way that Randy's serious, right? Like Randy balances the equation. I guess they balance each other out. But if Randy were to suddenly turn into like John Morrison, I'd have a huge problem with this. But Randy has set boundaries. He's not completely altering his character where he's this fun, jokey dude. Like there is still. Randy Orton, he's still Randy Orton at his core. And we're able to see a little bit of a different softer side of Randy, but not fully changing the fundamentals of what makes Randy Orton Randy Orton. I really appreciate that. Plus, I think if Randy Orton did that, the chemistry would be lost, right? Because that's what makes Riddle work is the seriousness of Orton. Uh, and and Riddle just never getting, never getting it, that Randy just finds him super annoying. And by the way, anybody else notice the, the shirt that, um, riddle was wearing I, I found it really funny well i think it said either hey randy or oh randy and it was like r-a-a-a like <laughs> i found that hilarious because you can hear riddle saying that you know in your mind so i i don't know maybe i'll pick up that shirt it was really funny um but again i think right now they're still they're still working well they're a well-oiled machine they have great chemistry they're both really good in the ring obviously which, again, they're at the top of the mountain right now, guys. They're riding high. They're riding that wave. What happens when that wave comes crashing down and they lose those championships? Do they also lose each other at, in, in, you know, in, in the same way? Do they, do, they, do they break up in the process? What happens? Does Randy turn on, on, um, on Riddle or does Riddle turn on Randy? You know, I would vote for that. I would really want to see a, a heel riddle, but I don't I don't think they'll go that way, even though it's kind of predictable that eventually Randy's going to RKO him, punt kick him, and, you know, kick him to the curb while the, the beloved and lovable kind of dorky surfer uh, dude of uh, riddle comes firing back. And that, to me... Is is uh, yeah? It's it's a simpler story to tell, but I don't know. Anybody else interested in seeing Riddle go heel? I don't know. We're we're probably a couple of months away from that, but it is starting to look like okay. They're they're working too well together now. Now they're on a roll. They're champions. They've won some matches. You know, a few weeks in a row now. Are we at the top? Are we on our way down? Like, where are we at in the process? So, I don't know. I, I I'm still enjoying them very much together. 
I think they, they still have that chemistry. And uh, I don't believe that they were supposed to be this good when originally proposed, I'm sure. So, all right, Kevin Owens. Let's move on to him, guys. I, I, I've got some, uh, some thoughts on Kevin Owens here. Is Kevin Owens really a heel? I, I mean, why are we supposed to dislike him? Why exactly are we supposed to dislike him again? He's the same guy he's been. There's really nothing that's changed. Okay, he ditched his team at Survivor Series, a match that really doesn't matter anyway. And he said he just he's going to be the guy that everyone thinks he is. Then, okay, I'll be that guy. Okay, well, then we're the ones that put it on him, right? Like, Or Seth Rollins is the one that put it on him. And he's just going along with what he thinks people view him as. And uh, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't understand the the real um, the, the real premise of the foundation of why we're supposed to hate Kevin Owens. Like, what is that reason? They haven't given us one. Like, but why he? You know, he actually out manipulated Seth this past week. When you look at the layers of that conversation, and Seth was woven, by the way, in like six segments on the show. I mean, Seth was all over the show, and I, I actually not. I'm not sad about that. I think it's telling about where they're going with this uh, this championship run of Big E. I'll get to that in a few minutes. But Kevin Owens told Seth that Adam Pierce told him that if he beats Big E tonight, he's added to the day one championship match. And Seth called him a liar. Seth confronted Adam Pierce. Adam Pierce said, no, that's not true. And then he ends up... Uh, putting it in the brain of, of Adam Pierce and Sonya Deville and Adam Pierce talk about it. And they say, yeah, I mean, it'd be a bad idea to which Seth calls them liars, but they weren't really lying. Seth was the one that implanted that in the minds of, of uh, Adam Pierce and Sonya Deville. So not only that, not only did Kevin manipulate Seth into putting it in the minds of Adam Pierce, knowing he would go to management, but then in the match that he had with Big E, he, uh, he interrogated Seth. He beat up Seth, to, knowing that if Seth retaliates, and he would, that the DQ would cause Kevin Owens the the uh, to be put into the match because he would get the victory as a disqualification. So he out manipulated Seth on a few different levels. Now you could argue, well, okay, why did he need Seth to go to management? Why didn't Kevin Owens just go to? Uh, go to Adam Pierce and just say, hey, uh, can we make this happen? Why did he need Seth to do that? He has a mouth. I don't know what why it's a has more value coming from Seth than it would have if Kevin just went to them himself. But I, I see the levels of manipulation. And, and uh, I think, honestly, like that's not a heel thing to do. That's a babyface thing to do. When you outsmart somebody, that's, that's a babyface thing. And, and, and so, again, I ask... Why are we supposed to hate KO? For what reason? What, what has he done? He attacked Big E, which was essentially, he quote-unquote, his heel turn a few weeks ago. But Big E was the one that attacked KO the week before, so it was really retaliation. I'm not following this. Another tweener. Why do we need tweeners? It's like it's, It kind of feels like a Becky Lynch situation. Like you're a heel, but not really. You get booed, but... People still love you, so like, what are you? It's weird. So, of course, the the main event did see Kevin Owens versus Big E. Quality of the match, no problem. You you know you you really don't have any concerns there. And Big E ends up 
losing, but only because of disqualification. Seth on commentary is actually a, a good thing. There are very few wrestlers on the men's and or women's side that add to their character when they're on the mic, at least on commentary, because there's no script there. It's all you. And the announcers guide answers, and they they, they try to give them softballs. Like, the, the common answer is, you know, in, in a matchup where, there's, for example, a number one contenders match, and the announcer will always ask, always, somebody will inevitably ask the individual, you know, who would you rather face? Do you, do you, who do you want to win this matchup? And whoever's on commentary, the, the wrestlers that's on commentary, will always say something in between. They, they don't care. Uh, they don't care who it is. It's just a flat patented response every time. But obviously in this matchup, this was a, this was not a number one contenders. This was to add KO or not. And Kevin Owens attacked Seth. Seth held it together once. He then brutally attacked Seth. Seth then retaliated, which caused the DQ, and KO gets put into the matchup. Um, Big E didn't have a whole lot to say prior to the match. Something generic along the lines of, yeah, I don't, you know, triple threat isn't ideal. It does lower my chances of winning, but he wasn't outraged about it, you know. Um, and he is, I have to say, you know, look, look, his promos, I think, have gotten a little bit better. He's still doing this, the silly clapping of new day rocks, all that stuff. So, again, all, all stuff that continues to tie back to the new day. And it's, I think that's a, it's a bad thing. But the, the one thing Biggie is just the worst the worst at, I mean, and, and maybe it's not the worst in terms of most people's eyes of this is a bad thing, but from a TV standpoint, Big E is the absolute king of talking to somebody sideways. I mean, he could, he could instruct a class. He could be the professor about WWE production. And when you're talking to an interviewer, when somebody asks you a question, like, I think it was uh, Patrick, uh, is that his last name? Uh, Kevin Patrick? Is that, is that right? I feel like that's too generic, but it might be. When he's asking Big E about the triple threat possibility, Big E's not talking to, to uh, Patrick. He's talking to the camera of which you're supposed to pretend isn't there. But he's clearly just standing like completely parallel to the camera to make sure his entire shot is there. Like You're not responding to the person that asked you the question. You're just kind of side-eyeing them. Big E is by far the biggest offender of this. I, again, he is the master at this. He's got a PhD in it. And, it, it, you know, other people are guilty of it. And you know what? It may not even be them individually. They're taught to do this because they're taught that the camera is the the eye through which millions of people view the product. So they want to be able to see you fully. But I don't care if I see you fully. I want the segment to feel real. I don't want it to feel like you're playing for the camera that you're supposed to also pretend at the same time is not there. It's a very weird contrast of which, you know, Kevin Dunn in production doesn't give a damn, right? He's, he'd rather produce movies than pro wrestling. And, uh, you know, Vince obviously doesn't care either. It's just a small thing that's so easily correctable. Why is everybody standing parallel to the camera? Or when there's a group of people, everybody has to be single file. I mean, all right, I'll stop because I've ranted about this before, but Biggie. I mean, he, it was so, it was egregiously hilarious this week. Um, all right. Well, anyway, let's, uh, let's get to, oh, well, Kevin Owens is added, um, to kind of put a bow on the main event of this. Anyway, Kevin Owens added to the main event as predicted 
I think it will end there. I don't think Finn Balor will be added. Originally, I thought there could be speculation he would, but he's lost so many matches now. I doubt it. It's still kind of possible because otherwise I don't know what he's doing at day one. But right now it's triple threat, which sets up perfectly the scapegoat for Biggie to lose the championship by having Seth pin Kevin Owens. That's exactly what's going to happen here. And Seth will be your new WWE champion as uh, Biggie is protected because he's not going to be involved in the decision. And Kevin Owens is the scapegoat. He is the sacrificial lamb upon which WWE will sacrifice him for the greater good, for uh, the protection of Big E and to get the belt off him and make Seth champion because they can't have Seth flat out, straight out beat uh, Big E. Now, the matchup between Seth Rollins and Seth uh, Seth Rollins and um, Finn Balor, I'm surprised we got it. You know, I figured that this would be strung out a little bit longer and this would go to a day one matchup or at least maybe a, a raw, you know, a couple of raws down the line before day one. Nope, they went right to it. Boom, right to it, uh, right to the uh, right to the matchup, and it was a quick match, by the way. They they were fine together as expected. They're always going to be fine together, but the match felt short, and I feel like it damaged Finn even further. And I'm not one to say always that wins and losses hurt or help. But Seth, or rather, uh, Finn has been on a losing streak now that is pretty striking, especially considering where he was in the championship picture with Roman Reigns just a few short months ago. I mean, it's been a it's not it's not a fall from grace. It's off a cliff, folks. It's off a cliff. So uh, Finn Balor lost clean, lost clean to uh, to Seth. I know why they're doing that though. They're setting up Seth. Uh, as a legitimate threat for Big E, and they're giving him a little a more of a foundation so that when he captures the belt at day one, he has, you know, he has some uh, recent big victories to lean on. And there wasn't anything you know, hanky panky about this victory. No hooker crook, no rolling of the tights, no anything other than other than other than the poke to the eye. Um, but that's that's pretty much it. I mean, the poke to the eye, you could, okay, that was the one protection. I wouldn't call the poke to the eye protection. I'm sorry. I mean, uh, with everything else, the referee lets go, like slamming into the steel steps. Apparently that, that's legal, right? Just the most ridiculous things that are apparently legal. So, all right. Um, let's see what else happened on Raw. Uh, okay. Liv Morgan and Becky Lynch have a contract signing. By the way, Liv never signed the contract. I think she forgot. Unless I missed it and bl- uh, turned and I was doing something else, I don't think Liv actually signed the contract. So we got to check on that. But um, we got this uh, nice, really nice segment here. It did set up for a five-on-five women's match for later in the night. Basically, it was every woman they had available in one match. Like that's that's essentially what it was. It was a women's a, a full women's roster match. That's what this was. I might have well, might as well relabel it. Uh, and. We, we got this nice, nice promo from uh, from Liv Morgan here, and it, it felt like she finally caught a little fire with Becky. And, you know, she... Well, you know what? In, in, in keeping with the theme of this show, let's hear a little bit of that promo from Liv Morgan right now. Wow! Who knew big-time Bex cried like such a little baby? 
You're the reason why your friend is gone, just like your big, fat, greedy contract is the reason why my friends are gone. You're nothing but a bully. So tell me, how does it feel knowing that you become everything you once despised? You resented Charlotte Flair for making you her number two and you want me to be yours? <laughs> okay, well unfortunately for you, I learned from all your past mistakes. You're not the Becky I once admired and I'm not the Liv that you left behind. So if my punch last week wasn't enough to show you what I'm capable of now, then maybe this next one will. Okay, so we'll, we'll stop there. Easily lives best promo to date. I, I mean, now the bar is not set too high on that, but this was this was really nice by Liv Morgan. I mean, it was the night of promos. <laughs> it was it was a, a, a great night of promos here on Raw, generally speaking. And this was Liv right now feeling like she's breaking out. Now, do I believe that Liv is going to beat Becky Lynch next week on Monday Night Raw? Hell no, hell no. That's not the point. As I've said, and I continue to stand by this, I believe that this right now, the match next week on Raw, WWE is using as a litmus test for how the crowd reacts when she gets screwed over. Does the crowd care? Do they feel apathetic? What do they chant? What happens? Or do they, do they not care at all? The worst thing that can happen is after all of this talk about Liv Morgan being underutilized, not given a chance, is when she gets screwed next week or maybe loses outright, that the fans don't care and don't react, right? That would be the worst because I believe WWE would take that to heart and go, hmm, yeah, it doesn't seem like, uh, doesn't seem like all of that talk about her being screwed over and underutilized for so many years was... Any real anger, it, it, it sounds like it was all just uh, all just talk by the fans. What will make it real for WWE, if you're a Liv Morgan fan, is to make noise about this. When she gets screwed or lo- and when she loses next week, the point would be to use that opportunity to, to, to voice your opinion. To, if you're, especially if you're going to the show, my God. If you're going to the show then be, be loud about this because I really believe that WWE is using this as a test the waters to see if what we're talking about for live for so long is real or if it's just all talk on Twitter. And that's, that's really my belief. So I don't no way Liv Morgan's winning next week. That's not the point. Uh, and I don't think, and I don't think her, her championship, Becky Lynch's championship is in jeopardy at all. Um, so, and live, live, you gotta win that. You're, you gotta sign the contract. You gotta sign it. Um, it, also, one thing about contract signings, does anybody ever notice contract signings usually happen like close to the pay-per-view after they've already announced the match is going to happen? So how does that work? How can you make something official if they didn't sign the contract yet? And also, does every match have to have a contract signing? Because I see a lot of matches that happen impromptu. Did they sign the contract afterwards? Did they take a commercial break and have the attorneys come out and say, sign this quick, sign this quick? No. I mean, of course, contract signings are just eyewash. It's just part of the pro wrestling narrative when the storyline calls for it. You only have a contract signing when it's a big matchup. Uh, you know. So that said, though, Liv, you got to sign your contract. 
I think you forgot there, uh, sweetheart. Okay. Um, anyway, so we're getting that matchup next week. Let's continue on with other things that happened. The Street Profits defeat Alpha Academy via pinfall. And I'll read the CBS Sports on this because this was not on Hulu. When Montez Ford hit Chad Gable with, it, uh, with a frog splash, AJ Styles was pretending to be blind after the Street Profits sprayed him with a fire extinguisher last week, but attempted to interfere at the end of the match, exposing the ruse while also not stopping the Profits from scoring the win. So, okay. AJ Styles pretended to be blind after the Street Profits sprayed him with a fire extinguisher last week, but uh, attempted to interfere at the end of the match. Okay, so... Uh, the Street Profits continue their winning ways. I mean, the Alpha Academy has really also fallen off the radar here. I was excited for to see what Otis could do, and it seems like he's just back to eating pizza you know, in, in the middle of matches. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, I don't know. The Street Profits are, are kind of staying out of the title picture for right now, and that's fine. I think ultimately that's where the Street Profits need to live. I had enough of them as champion, a tag team champions. Um, certainly during the pandemic era, they were almost unwatchable. I mean, remember the Viking Raiders and them? It, it was just nonsense. I, I want to gouge my eyes out thinking about it. Um, but all right. United States championship match. Damian Priest defeats Apollo Cruz after hitting the reckoning. Commander Aziz attempted to interfere, leading to his ejection from ringside. And the attempted interference caused Priest to snap once again, quickly finishing the match moments later. This is disappointing that they did this on a Raw. Again, this is something they could have built. It felt rushed. They had no time to build this. The only thing we had for this was Apollo Crews coming out a few weeks before the Survivor Series and saying that, you know, basically I'm coming for your Continental Championship or rather your United States Championship. That's it. From there, we didn't really get much of a promo from anybody. We haven't heard from Damian Priest in, like, a, it feels like months. We still don't have an explanation from him of the, the the sudden snapping that he's going through during matches. I'd like to him have him explain that. But you and I both know. Very unlikely there. But this match was fine. It was quick. I, I mean, both are good, good talent, especially Apollo Crews. And it was a very clean, quick victory for for, uh, for for Damian Priest. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of kind of crazy, kind of crazy. And I mean, I don't know what they're ever going to do with Commander Aziz either. Maybe he'll, uh, I don't know, start his own Q-tip line. And maybe what will happen is you could use the image of him standing there with a giant silver Q-tip as like a logo for a new Q-tip brand. Maybe, maybe that's his future. I'm not sure. But we do get this matchup, and it is a little bit disappointing that it was so quick with no build. I got to say, because it could have been so much more. So, okay. Let's continue on here. Ray and Dominic Mysterio defeat Cedric and Shelton when Dominic hits Benjamin with a frog splash. That's all that CBS Sports says about this. And that's probably all... Um, that's probably the entire match, right? Like, I'm sure it wasn't in reality, but Ray and Dominic, are they ever splitting up? Are they just going to tease it? Like, what's happening here? I keep waiting to read that uh, Ray and Dominic, you know, shoved each other down or there was some big argument or, you know, something big came of it. No, 
they just beat another team that hasn't won a match in about a year in Cedric and Shelton. Yeah, so that's uh, that, that's pretty much it there. All right, well, I th- did I cover everything already? Jeez, it feels like this was really quick. Um, I'm, sc- I'm scrolling through, guys, making sure I didn't miss something. I'm sure somebody will point something out, but maybe not. Uh, so that is it for my Monday Night Raw review, everybody. If I miss something, I apologize, but tomorrow is going to be the mailbag, so send in your questions to realwwpodcast at gmail.com or call us and leave a voicemail at 518-952-0247. You get three minutes to leave a voicemail. Um, you, know, you can also contact me on social media. I've got some Instagram questions I'm going to ask or answer, rather, at WWE underscore podcast or on Twitter at wrestling underscore audio. And um, don't forget, we're also on TikTok at the WWE podcast, and we've got a really good response lately i mean we're um, in about a week we've gained well over a thousand followers which is really cool one of my videos blew up somehow uh, it was the charlotte flair photo one it's got like almost thirty thousand views and i'm like how <laughs> i didn't think it was that good of a video and uh i don't know i don't understand the the algorithm of tiktok but nonetheless we're we're gaining followers pretty quickly there so if you haven't already and you, you want to be in the cool crowd and join tiktok just search us out at the WWE podcast. I try to do a video at least once every day or two on something coming out in the news. I may change the format to like, you know, some of my favorite moments or something cool that happened during the week. But uh, right now it's kind of like a random news format. So, all right, well that will do it for me this week. Uh, Again, I'll be back tomorrow with your mailbag. As always, I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash WWE Podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.